Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And this week, we're joined by special guest Nick Labarro from Nick's Flicks Fix. And we're going to talk all things Jurassic World Dominion, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. Nick Labarro, welcome, mate. Hey, Tim. How are you? Now, uh, very excitedly... Last time we did this was, gosh, when we reviewed Eternals. We did Eternals, together. yeah. And I did Ambulance with Lee earlier this year. That's right. And don't fret, listener. Lee is fine. <laughs> She's all good. <laughs> She's just on a well-deserved break at the moment. So Nick's been so kind to sub in. What's really exciting is that we're not doing this via correspondence or whatever. No. You're actually in the room. I'm here. In I'm the room in where the it happens. Popcorn podcast studio. <laughs> the studio. <laughs> I was like, come into my studio, quote unquote. Uh, so welcome to Sydney. Now you're here for the Sydney Film Festival at the moment. Yes, yeah, I am. Travelled all the way down from Brizzy for the weekend and trying to smash out a couple of movies and, and a podcast with you guys. So I'm, I'm excited to be here. Who let you in? Uh, I don't know how I got in, especially after Queensland One Origin. I'm shocked they let me in <laughs> okay. after that. I'm going <laughs> to pretend to care about the state of origin. <laughs> That's fair. That's understood. <laughs> oh, so you won. Oh, well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I played mean? really well. So uh, <laughs> I, it means really nothing in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to talk Jurassic World Dominion now. Let's just rattle off a few things like synopsis and who's who in the zoo, and then we'll get straight into it. So Jurassic World Dominion takes place four years after the destruction of Island Nebula. Dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. This fragile balance will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to remain the apex predators on a planet they now share with history's most fearsome creatures in a new era. Jurassic World Dominion is directed by Colin Trevorrow with a screenplay by Trevorrow, Emily Carmichael and based on a story by Trevorrow and Derek Connolly and based on characters created by Michael Crichton. Jurassic World Dominion stars Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard and the return of the OG cast Laura Dern, Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum with new players DeWanda Wise, Mamadou Athi, Isabella Sermon, Campbell Scott and also the return of B.D. Wong as well. Where do we begin with this, mate? I mean, good to see B.D. Wong back. <laughs> six for six. Good for him. He's the only person in all six Jurassic Has, has he been in all six? He's in all six. Is as far right? as I'm aware, yeah. Okay. So, Or maybe not number three, but he's been in the most. He's that's been in sure. the most, yeah. He's been that red thread throughout yeah. the Jurassic era. Always good to see him come up and go, hey... We made another mistake. <laughs> he looked eternally sad in this movie. He Can did. I just say? He's grown the hair out. He's got like the COVID hair. He's wrinkled up a little bit. He's just <laughs> got the COVID hair. But you said, oh, look, we've made another mistake. But this guy, he clearly doesn't learn. Oh, no. His mistakes. Oh, a bit no. Of constructive criticism for 
BD Wong there. No one there to rein him in, that's for sure, yeah. <laughs> no, not when rich billionaires are involved. <laughs> so I thought uh, it would be good to give a bit of a recap on the franchise before we launch into Dominion. So obviously it all started with Jurassic Park back in 1993, directed by Steven Spielberg. Absolute iconic film. Oh, God, yeah. Was the highest grossing film of all time until Titanic knocked it off its post oh, a couple yeah. of years later in 97 which in that same year, The Lost World Jurassic Park was released, the sequel to Jurassic Park. Then in 2001, we had Jurassic Park 3. And then we got the reboot, the Jurassic World reboot in 2015, followed in 2018 by Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And here we are in 2022 with Jurassic World Dominion. That's a bit of a mouthful. It's crazy. And it's almost 30 years on the dot after the Jurassic Park. It's absolutely insane. Now, I want to ask you this question, Mm. Nick, because you have a podcast, you know, obviously from Nick's Flicks Fix, but you do the monthly movie marathon with fellow co-host Peter Gray, who you very excitedly announced that he's a rotten certified... Uh, Rotten certified tomato man is what (laughs) I call him. (laughs) Rotten certified tomato man. Shout out to Peter Gray. Now... Having what rewatched all these films yes. and kind of give me some highlights on some of the takeouts about the franchise that you and Peter discussed. The thing that always surprises me is just how great of a blockbuster Jurassic Park is. Like right. it is genuinely one of the greatest movies ever made. And even watching it at home on a TV screen with like no real speakers set up or anything, I was still so in awe and wonderment of what Spielberg did with that. Yeah. Then for me, it just downward trajectory. Fizzled away slowly yeah. but surely. Lost World for me sort of go, it's so much about the people and less about the dinosaurs, which is no, it's not a bad thing, but when it's boring, mm-hmm. you can really feel that. I get why people like Jurassic Park 3. It's action-packed. It's a Super tight, fun. tight 90 minutes of just hectic balls to the wall dinosaur action. <laughs> and, and, and I enjoyed it for that, but I still don't think it's a good movie. I enjoy Jurassic World. I think it captures a little bit more of that sort of like dinosaurs are wonderful. They're not all just always out here to kill you. Yes. And then Fallen Kingdom comes out and I go, wow. yikes, that's a, that's a whole another kettle of fish. That is just one of the most opens promising and then just fizzles away. Again, just focuses in a convoluted way about human characters and, and all the stuff that I don't care about human characters when I want to watch dinosaurs. So, yeah. yeah. That's a good recap of uh, over 30 years of <laughs> filmmaking. Thanks for taking us on that journey. I am almost verbatim going to agree with you mm. in, in what you took us through. I do, though, have a soft spot for the Lost World Jurassic Park. Yeah. I do think there's some incredible moments in that movie. Obviously, Jeff Goldblum returned in that yeah, film, so he, he was a really nice inclusion. We hadn't seen him for a long time, and he had a really random part in Fallen Kingdom a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah, that's right. But in fairness, I will say that was my favorite part of Fallen Kingdom. I didn't actually mind the courtroom stuff. I don't Uh mind a good courtroom drama. I didn't want a whole movie of it, but I was like, that was the most engaged I was in that movie. Yeah. Look, I remember being so bitterly disappointed about Fallen Kingdom because Mm. it just got so many things wrong. And and sadly, and I'm assuming we're on the same page here, I feel like Dominion has absolutely fallen into the trap that Fallen Kingdom had set for the end of this franchise, which is just so sad. So let's talk about Dominion. Mm. The film opens up with a recap of the Jurassic World series through none other than a fucking news report. From from Now This. When that Now This logo popped up, I genuinely was like, what am I about to watch? I had like, I was like, is this just going to be a Facebook video of the movie? But it felt like it, didn't it? It did. It was just this cheap knockoff <laughs> news report. And I thought, is this, yeah, a Facebook live broadcast? <laughs> yeah. Pete and I, Pete and I uh, saw it together. And we just turned and looked at each other in that first 30 seconds and gone, oh no, this is two hours and 20 minutes. Like if this is how we're going to start, it yeah. really has to get better from here. I mean, I felt the same. I knew we were in trouble when the film opened up with this corny news report in how to explain what was happening in this film. But worse, what had come before yeah. in this absolute, like, expositional mansplaining. It's like they tried to, to be like, okay, we're going we're gonna to make this accessible for people who did not watch Jurassic World or Fallen Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But they were both such, like, multi-million, hundreds of million dollar movies. Like, it felt like Dominion was one of those movies where you could go, we don't need that sort of recap. Just no. tell us where we are in the story. We'll pick it up. Going. We're, yeah, not, exactly. we're not dumb. They treat you immediately, straight out of the gate, like... A bit of an idiot. Yeah. Just to build on your point, 
the the first two films in the Jurassic World franchise were enormous. One point six US billion dollars for yeah. Jurassic World, one point three for Fallen Kingdom, which just blows my That's fucking insane, mind. Yeah, and I think Dominion at this time of recording is going to open with almost four hundred million US dollars worldwide. That's crazy, and yeah. then it was in other markets uh, earlier. It's another fifty million on that, so we're almost at half a billion dollars, mm. and the film's been out for two weeks. So that's just wild. I mean, the concept of dinosaurs roaming the world with humans, right, sharing our space, is an insanely compelling premise, right? And it should have led to a really gripping, compelling story, but it doesn't. No, it just becomes so convoluted. Yeah, It's trying to throw so much at the wall. But the stuff it's trying to throw for me was like, Let's get a whiteboard of how many cool ideas we can put in a movie yeah. and then add dinosaurs to that. Yeah. And then we'll just find a way to sequence it together. And Life the, finds a way. Life uh, <laughs> uh, finds a way. This and movie did not. <laughs> it did not. It did not at all. And, and the biggest gripe or example I can use is the chase scene in Malta. Right. Which I went, am I watching Jurassic World or am I watching Jason Bourne? Or James Bond. Or even. James Bond. It's It's... It's like, when did Chris Pratt learn to martial arts to fight people? When did he learn how to use guns? When did he, like, I know he knows how to ride the motorbike, but when did he mm. learn to do those sorts of chase scenes? Yeah. And then not only is he fighting humans, dinosaurs start chasing him. And I was like, is there some sort of cognitive thing where they're like, oh, we're in a chase now. We know how to, I don't know. For me, it took me so far out of the movie, but that's what it is. It's just all these sequences randomly shuffled together. The tone was all over the place. Mm. It didn't know what type of film it was trying to tell. It had a really mammoth task to wrap up what they call the end of the Jurassic era. Yeah. So I get that it would have been challenging, but they were introducing way too many complex new characters, plots, places like Bison, which we'll talk about in a minute. And the the Malta scene, believe it or not, was my favourite moment in the movie because it felt so different. It was really fucking cool. I love Jason Bourne. I love James Bond. But it had no place in this film. It, and that's exactly how I felt as well. I was like, from a visual standpoint, I was like, oh, this wow. is exciting. But yeah. in the back of my mind the whole time, I was like, what is happening? And why are in, we here? Yeah, in Jurassic World right <laughs> yeah. now. Like, yeah. why am I seeing this here? Yeah, maybe they were like, oh, Jurassic World, shit. We better actually go somewhere. Let's go to Malta. <laughs> it, <laughs> it felt like it has this spy espionage feel where it's like yeah. we're going all over the world to these exotic locations just like you would in a James Bond <laughs> Yeah, and literally you could have taken that whole sequence out of the film and it wouldn't have mattered. No, no, no. Because at all. it wouldn't have made any more sense anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it also didn't need to be there. No. However, it was the most compelling, visually exciting part of the movie and it made no sense as to why it was there at the same time. So it was a bit of a really weird head fuck. Yeah. Like, why are we in Malta? But I'm really happy we're in Malta. Yeah, he, but why? No. <laughs> the movie's making me really confused yeah. about why I want to watch this right yeah, now. Now I want to go to Malta, yeah. which I actually do. I really want to go to Malta. <laughs> Now, I mentioned earlier Biosyn. So they're like a company that's planning on solving world hunger by creating crops that, you know, don't get destroyed by pests and whatever. And so they sneakily use prehistoric DNA or whatever. I don't think that's particularly a a spoiler. No. That happens early on in the movie too when we see that's when Laura Dern's character comes back and she's on that farm and then there's this huge swarm of locusts that goes away. And I was like, oh, it's a bug movie now. Yeah, it's a bug movie. (laughs) Oh, my God. We'll talk about the bugs later. But And also they serve as a new sanctum for dinosaurs. Of course, course. for research purposes, there's always a new park. There's always (laughs) another park. Why on earth? in a final chapter of a film, are they introducing a whole new thing like Bison, going through all this clunky exposition to make sense as to why it's there, why we should care about it, why the stakes are so high. Were you like, why are you introducing so many layers into this film? How did it make you feel? It, it To me, it just added to that convoluted yeah. nature of the movie. It was just, I, it made me struggle to know what to care about. Mm. And because that's when we see Ian Malcolm again. So obviously, yeah. he, and he and he's a philosophy professor there, as far as I remember. I was and like, why is he working for them? And why is, exactly? <laughs> he, we've had no so sense. much. We've had so much character build up from him being like the parks are a bad idea. Mm. In Fallen Kingdom, the whole thing is he's like, uh, we shouldn't be doing this with dinosaurs because his whole thing's around chaos theory. Chaos or, theory, or yeah. And and then he's working at this place that's actively developing. Or, or nurturing for dinosaurs. Mm. But his role there is to be like, this isn't a good idea. Yes. To tell people this is not a good idea. 
but you're still collecting that check from them at the end, at the end of the I day. I was so confused. I'm so glad you brought that up because he's literally lecturing the people that work for Bison saying <laughs> what they're doing is wrong. Why is this guy on the books? While working for Bison. While working for Bison. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. Square peg round hole bringing him back into the fold Exactly, here. exactly. And then, and then, like I said, it just makes you, made me confused on what to care about. Like, I, yep. so, okay, Bison to me at that point felt like a wayside thing. Like, okay, you're just, the justifying the means of why we need dinosaurs. Yeah. But they become a huge aspect of the third act of the movie. The whole thing takes place at bias. You know mm. what I mean? And I'm like, to me, it really screams. And I know a few people have said this because Colin Trevorrow was supposed to do Rise of Skywalker, right? Was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was before. <gasps> of course he was. And they wrote the script. It was called Jewel of the Fates. If this is how he wraps up a saga, <laughs> I was like, so maybe we weren't going to get a better movie than Rise of Skywalker because to me it was just... How much nostalgia can we put in? Yeah. How much new cool stuff for the kids can we mm. put in? I guess would be the phrase to use there. Mm. And then how much action can we put in yeah. without really trying to find a way for it to all gel together? Now, let's talk about nostalgia. You mm. just brought that up. But maybe not dive straight into the characters just yet because it's a bit more of the story that I yeah. want to try yeah, and yeah, unpack yeah. with you. But how did you feel about the nods in this film to like the the old movies, especially with the OG cast? Mm. You know, car tipping yeah. Do you see the big green button? Yeah. All that sort of stuff. Did you feel Jeff Goldblum a little- waving the fire oh. like he with the flare in, in Jurassic Park? Oh my god. It was on the nose, wasn't it? It's very on the nose. And and it's in the it just comes back to that how much fan service is a good amount of fan service. But it was so clunky. It was. It re- and and sometimes I feel like a lot of it went over people's heads. Mm. It wasn't it wasn't like a nod, you know, the green the whole green button thing. Mm. There was no like musical cue to show us like this is a it just felt like it was another part of the movie yes but if you're going to do fan service do it right like yeah. have the little musical cue and have the little throwback have the almost fourth wall break in, in that moment don't yeah. just put it in for the sake of putting it in have it really mean something to the fans or to the story exactly look we could go down a bit of a rabbit hole here but oh God, yeah. n- nostalgia is such a powerful tool oh God, yeah. and when used right it's like fist pump in the air like the end of Breakfast Club, you know, you're that guy on the field going, yeah. Or it's a fucking disaster. Yeah. You think about Top Gun Maverick. This is exactly what I was going to say. Is that where you were going to go? How perfect the mirroring of things like the beach volleyball versus the beach gridiron. Yeah. That was just stunning. And it was cheeky and it was a little corny, but it worked because they did it right and it made sense. Yeah. That's how you do nostalgia. And it's, it's easy. It's easy to yeah. do when you firstly care about the characters yeah. and you care about the story that they're yes. in. Yeah. Two things that really aren't happening in Dominion, unfortunately. I completely agree. Now, indulge me for a moment. So, mm. And I'm going to dance around spoiler territory here. But the fact that the entire film had to do with genetically modified locusts. Oh, my yeah. God. If I saw one more locust in this movie, <laughs> I, I was going to scream. They were just everywhere. everywhere. And just they kept coming back to the fucking locust. <laughs> and also a girl who was cloned by her grandfather. So the combination of those cloned by the grandfather in the in the second film was just such a silly combination. They literally ran with the most ridiculous quote unquote plot twist from the previous film yeah. and based the entire end of a franchise on this girl who yeah. was somehow super important to the piece. There was yeah. no connection or real care factor. And okay, let's it's, just stop there for the minute. Yeah, what yeah. what do you think about that combination and this girl? I mean, the thing is, it was already built on shoddy foundations in Fallen Kingdom. It, Super it, shoddy. It's one of those things where it was such a cop out in Fallen Kingdom. And then the ending when she releases the dinosaurs, you go, oh, like, of course she fucking did. And then. Oh my God, I forgot about that. So I've control alt deleted Fallen Kingdom from my I'm mind. Gl- you, you're better than I. because like, was so fucking lame. And and like, I don't, I don't want to like, I don't like making fun or trying to be mean to kid actors, but her delivery of that line, which is like, they're just like me. I was like, that's awful. I like, oh, I, it doesn't, no. I don't care about this. And then you're right. She's the whole sort of like, moral center of the, of the movie mm. is that there's a whole sub story, I guess, again, avoiding spoilers, there's a whole yep. sub story that goes around with her mother. Yes. Again. And I just thought, firstly, there's no way I need to be caring about this because you haven't set a good foundation for her character. Yeah. And then secondly, you're just adding this in for the sake of just, again, justifying a means like, yep. you're just like, well, people are probably going to be bored by locusts. So let's just have like the human cloning character, like be the center of it. But just so you know, we're also doing this thing with the locusts. Like this is, <laughs> this is why we have the dinosaurs again, Yeah, but it's because of this girl. And it's like, mm. well, I'm not, add, that's like, that's not a one and one plus uh, one plus one makes two situation for me. That's mm. sort of like it, all over the place equation. Beautifully summated. I, I couldn't, I can't add anything more to that. <laughs> makes sense. But 
bringing up the dinosaurs yeah. is that the reason of the locust and the clone girl, it then positioned the dinosaurs themselves in their own film oh, as no. second fiddle I to know. the whole thing. Dominion barely had anything to do with the plot of the wider franchise at all. No, it, it to me, it completely, and I think this is just something that sort of happened with the series as it goes on, it lost the awe and the wonderment. Yeah. Dinosaurs are scary. I said on the on the monthly movie marathon with Pete, I have this weird fear of like still images of dinosaurs really? and Godzilla and King. I can't look at those posters for long because I get this like, oh, what if like the dinosaurs really? Because like, I, it's it's a weird <laughs> irrational fear. I can't justify it. It's it's possibly the most odd thing about me. I'm watching the dinosaurs and I'm like, yeah, they're scary, but there's something amazing about them. There's something that. I'm like, I, I, I admire about them. And that's what Jurassic Park did so well. Beautifully. They're scary, but they're these majestic creatures. By the time we get to Dominion, I'm like, mm. oh, you're just using these as like chompy, chompy eat people. And I'm like, that's not what they are. Like yeah. every dinosaur in this movie had to be a carnivore, unless it was in a petting zoo at the beginning of the film <laughs> when they're like, oh, wow, look at these cute animals that we can feed and, and pat and ride. <laughs> these little kids on these like baby triceratops i'm like that doesn't seem right everything's like a carnival that's trying Mm. to kill the people and i get Mm. it's tension and danger and and in that regard but like like you said second fiddle the dinosaurs are second fiddle Mm. but i don't care about them the way i used to and also somehow every other dinosaur that was in this movie had and look this may sound so dumb, <laughs> but they have ridiculous names. Oh, and God, it was comical hearing the characters go, and here's the Slamadama Dongasaur. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is a Slamadama Dongasaur? I love in the trailer, they obviously don't do any of the dinosaurs' names, but when we see uh, the, the main carnivore at the end of the film that's trying to attack the whole crew. Yeah. And in the trailer it just goes, that's the world's largest carnivore. I'm like, oh, okay. So its name is that fucked up that you gotta be like, it's just the world's largest carnivore. <laughs> and Sam Neill does say the name. I can't remember. It's about 17 syllables, but. <laughs> but I feel like they were just having characters say the name. So they came across as smart and they knew what. So they we were. remember their doctors. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That guy's a paleontologist. He can. Yeah. Cool. He could say that name. Thanks so much. How many times do you think Trevor and, and Emily Carmichael were writing the script? And they just got the red line underneath, just writing all these ridiculous dinosaur <laughs> names. I was like, oh shit, how do you spell that? <laughs> how do you spell that? We better put that in phonetically for the actors. Yeah, yeah. Slamadama ding dongosaurus, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that one's correct. Yeah. Oh, that one's correct. Oh, that's my favorite one. <laughs> now let's talk about the characters and performances. Mm. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard? Obviously, they yeah. are the foundations of the Jurassic World trilogy. How are you vibing with them in this movie? Uh, I mean they just feel like Hollywood stars, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think they had a lot of chemistry to start with with Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom mm. anyway, so I don't really... And now I'm supposed to believe that they're like in a relationship and kind of being parent and dad now. to this, this clone girl. Yeah. I mean, like... They're fine. I I think I like Bryce Dallas Howard a lot. I, I, I think too. she's a great actress and... Great director as well. Great director. Mm. And I think she's having a lot of fun in these movies. I really yes. do. Chris Pratt for me just seems like he's here out of contractual obligation. He looked bored. He looked really bored. He looked, he looked like he was phoning it in. Yeah. I was um a bit confused I mean, by his performance, to be yeah, honest. I feel like he just sort of, he, he was like coming in, give 50% on the line delivery, yeah. give like 75% to the action. Because he has a very physical role, in, especially in this movie. Yeah. But it, it just, for me, reeked of Hollywood star in the last film of a big franchise can't wait to like watch me a walk on the way out. Like yeah. I'm out. So, and I feel like maybe he was like, well, you know, Laura, Jeff and Sam, they're all coming back. So I don't really need this whole film yeah. on my shoulders. And you could tell. Oh God. Yeah. He, you um, could tell. he alluded in the, the press conference I watched with him yeah. that he was like, I, I probably won't return to this character. And it seemed like a very definitive sort of, because that was a question that was asked and mm. he, he was very much like, no, I'm done. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, well, look, the marketing of it is the end of the Jurassic era, yes. the epic conclusion to this saga of, you know, spending 29 years, like you said before. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, so Bryce Dallas Howard, I liked how we were introduced to her character in the beginning of the movie. Yep. I liked the journey that she had gone on. She's yep. basically going about this guerrilla sort of work of uh, infiltrating breeding illegal yeah. breeding facilities for dinosaurs and doing all She's that sort of full arc over the three movies yeah. as well. She starts with this sort of selfish auntie who yeah. is the manager of Jurassic World and only cares about the, the dollars that it's raking into now helping the dinosaurs that she wants in prison. Like she's yeah. for me the only one who's had an arc over the three movies. I, I think agree. that's why we care about her so much. Because I sat there going, where is Chris Pratt 
been yeah. for us to be here. I couldn't figure it out, but I could join the dots for Bryce Dallas Howard's character in Claire. Mm. So I completely agree. Also, you mentioned that, yeah, she was the auntie in the first one. Yes. Where did those kids go? Oh, they just disappeared. See you later, yeah. Oh, maybe oh. they're still in the, you know, rolling. They're, they're <laughs> watching Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Tell them where they are. Yeah. Watching Jimmy Fallon say Slammadang and Ding Dong Saurus. Asaurus, yes. Asaurus. Got to say this. <laughs> uh, now, let's talk about the OG cast. Look, I couldn't tell you how excited I was coming into this film that Laura Dern, who plays Dr. Ellie Sattler, Sam Neill, who plays Dr. Alan Grant, which is such a great, strong movie name, isn't it? It is, yeah. And obviously Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm. Let's first start with how did you feel about their return as a trio and then how do you think it was delivered i i mean i was excited that's when it comes to that nostalgia the thing we were talking about earlier that's the most thing i was excited for yeah it was handled well at the start when they all came back we have that swelling john williams orchestral music we see alan grant and ellie sattler together and there's that will they, won't they chemistry that apparently I never saw in Jurassic Park. I, apparently I I didn't think they had like a, a romantic chemistry, but I also didn't think Kylo Ren and Ray had that and they kissed at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, so that was I don't a know weird anything. kiss. Thank you. I, every Why time is I anyone talking up, about the Kylo Ren <laughs> kiss? I got, I, I saw that, this is a, such a tangent. I, when I saw Rise of Skywalker with my partner and her friend, they loved that. They're like, oh my God, yay, they finally kissed. And I was like, what? I was like, there's no chemistry here. So maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> but then in, in regards to, uh, to Laura Dern and Sam Neill, I kind of liked that there was that in this movie. They, you know, they're, they're more mature now and Laura Dern's not with her husband that we found out about in Jurassic Park 3. So I like when they came back and sort of had that chemistry together. They're just not utilized well no. in the movie. So the nostalgia got me. And yeah. then I was like, and you've done nothing with it because by the time the whole Jurassic Park and Jurassic World crew meet up and form like the Avengers of the Jurassic World. Yeah, because there's two there's two parallel stories yes. going and then they converge. They converge the together. Act. Yeah, And then as soon as they converge, they split up and do their little missions again. <laughs> so I was like, and then they, obviously yeah. they're like mixing the cast and like Sam Neill's with Chris Pratt and whatnot. But mm. I was kind of like, oh, so now we're just turning into like side mission the movie and you're not really utilizing their intelligence and their love mm. for dinosaurs. They're just running away from the world's largest carnivore now. The world's largest carnivore. This episode should be like a drinking game of how often yeah, you every, or I say Slamadama ding dong Every time take a shot. Yeah. Take a shot of tequila. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Look, I liked that Ellie was more leaning into like climate change advocacy and work, yeah. which was nice, but then it didn't really go anywhere there. So it was more of a box ticking exercise. I felt Sam Neill looked a little dazed and confused in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel like he was utilized very well. Like you alluded to as the trio and we've already discussed how Jeff Goldblum, like I just didn't know, understand why he was there. No, but his purpose, it's Jeff Goldblum. So it's hard not to love him. A hundred percent. Because every way he delivers a line and his Jeff Goldblum type way of talking, it's, it's, I love it, but there's no purpose there. So let's unpack this because I felt like, whether intentional or not, the OG cast were almost used as comic relief in this film. Okay, yeah. I actually found, especially Laura Dern and Sam Neill, to come across as a couple of bumbling idiots, like a virgin couple in a teen movie <laughs> yeah. that are literally falling over each other, like yeah. literally physically falling over each other, working towards this will they won't they kiss mm. love interest but i'm on the same page as you i didn't really vibe any sexual no. tension between them in the first movie certainly not to an extent where it made sense for it to f- be such a focus exactly. in this yeah. in their return no i mean it, it, it's funny you say that because that's where i kind of feel like when that nostalgia wore off i why i'm trying to figure out what their purpose was yeah in the film and if, if that's what it is if they're the comedic relief i'm like that's a massive fuck you to their characters. Right. Who are literally the foundation of this whole saga. Yeah. Who have studied dinosaurs their whole life, who have able to, been able to witness dinosaurs and see them at their best and their worst. 
And then all of a sudden they're like, whoops, slip over the banana peel and fall <laughs> over. And, you know, they're on the ground face to face. Like, oh, hi, how are you? I was like, oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm just running away from this slamming ding dong. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of like, what's the point then in just having like, firstly, what's the point in paying them the big bucks to return? I hope they got paid a lot. I hope to be they honest. got a mass. I hope that like, if they never have to act again, that's because <laughs> it's on this money. Yeah. But in that regard of like, just where the nostalgia wore off for me was, that you're right they just became the bumbling idiots of mm. the movie all to service the fact that chris pratt is like the action man i'm gonna save the day sort of operator and he's charismatic but he wasn't in this one no unfortunately not now are there any other of the newer characters that you want to talk about there's campbell scott who played louis dodgson now he he runs bison, bison right yeah. get this i read this in the production notes right I had no idea and I've never read it anywhere else. So he was actually a character that was last seen in 1993's Jurassic Park, handing the empty, you know, can to put all the, the oh, dinosaur embryos on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving it to the Dennis Ned- Nedry. Yeah, Nedry, yeah. What a loose freaking connection that is. I had no idea. I, I actually, I mean, it must be true, but part I of also me likes, like. Part of me likes that. But where was but the context tell of that me in that. the film? Yeah, exactly. Don't like. Normal audiences don't get to read production notes. Yeah. So if that's, you know, or unless they're like going to make a Jurassic World Dominion novelization and there's like a throwaway line <laughs> and I don't know how many people read those those books. So no, I don't. What a loose. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea, but it adds, what? it adds some context. It adds yes. a little bit of excitement and intrigue. Like what has this guy been doing for yep. 30 years? He's now this multi-billionaire who has these. It's like Elon Musk type character. hundred yeah, like percent. Really sort of socially awkward. And he was weird, man. Yeah. And it's very intentional. It's sort of like, it definitely for me felt like they were trying to base it on Elon Musk. Then right. just this guy who's not really good at talking to people, but is incredibly intelligent, but very morally ambiguous. And mm. it was very obvious a commentary on him. Yeah. But you, he's in like three, four scenes of the movie. You're just saying nonsense right now. Like there's not a lot happening in this moment. Like you can go away. I understand what Bison is now. So yeah. see you later. He was deeply unhinged. Oh God, yeah. Which just added to another complex, unnecessary, convoluted layer of this story. Yeah. And I'll bring it back to, a, I think a point I made earlier is introducing so many new layers mm. to the last film in a saga was just unnecessary and very distracting. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of new characters in this movie that some were good and enjoyable, yeah. but it's like, why have you only just showed up now? now? Yeah. And what are we meant to take away from yeah. your performance, your character when we're quote unquote, not meant to be revisiting this ever again? I know it, it reeks. Part of me feel like it reeks spinoff territory. Like uh, Dewanda Wise. God, yes. Who I loved. Loved her. She was uh, probably my favorite character in yeah. the movie. And she's yeah. like this, I can't remember her character's name. I apologize. But she's this real sort of Han Solo. She's a pilot that works in like the dinosaur trade because there's this underground dinosaur trade yeah. happening. Yeah, black market. The black stuff. market dinosaurs. In Malta. In, of course, <laughs> it's in Malta. And, but she's incredible. She's hilarious. She's a badass. The, in the action scenes, she just holds her own so incredibly well. But she's charismatic as hell. I yeah. like my favorite character in the film. But you're right. If this is the end, and that's all I get to see of her, I'm like, well, what a waste. Yeah, what a waste. And but that's when I start going. I mean, this is, this is us being in this industry for so yeah. long. You start going, mm, okay, well, when's the uh, the writing's ne- on when's, the wall? When's the Netflix or the Peacock series going to be of <laughs> Dewanda Weiss on dinosaur adventures, you know, around the world? You know, I liked the point that you made about her character, which is. Kayla Watts. Kayla Watts, that's right. Super charismatic. She almost had the charisma that Chris Pratt left on the left, you know, at home. Yeah, exactly. didn't bring to the party. They're paired up in the film, which is even funnier, like, in that, like, you've paired them up because they're a very similar sort of character and they would have that dynamic together. Mm. But, yeah, one person's bringing it and one person's Chris Pratt. Like, you know what I mean? And it it makes his performance stand out so much more in the wrong way because she was bringing it. Yeah. Anyway, there's the characters wrapped up in some way, shape or form. (laughs) I want to talk about the action and special effects and, you know, some of the set pieces. We've already talked about Malta. We've mentioned Bison. There was a lot of sets in this movie. They boasted 112 sets. And I I like that tangible thing, the the real-life animatronics. How did you think they compared with some of the special effects throughout the film? It's noticeable. Yeah. There's some really shoddy CGI. Aren't there? And the biggest difference that I could find is obviously for me, it felt like blue um, Chris Pratt's Raptor that he's had this like relationship with over the three movies. Mm-hmm. 
was predominantly CGI. Yes. It's a fast-moving raptor. Then when we get to that world's largest carnivore, those Slamadama <laughs> Ding Dongosaurus, uh, <laughs> looked practical. Like there was like an element, and obviously because it's been built on a set, I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, that's a scary dinosaur mm. when it's coming out of the bush and, and uh, out of the trees and Jeff Goldblum is waving his torch. I'm like, yeah. that looks amazing. And then all of a sudden, as soon as it's starting to attack the humans and bite where they are, I'm like, oh, and that's awful CGI, I yes. guess. How Spielberg did it in 93, I don't know. Honestly, what the fuck? Those Magic. effects still hold today. Oh, it's a, and it adds that awe and wonderment again, whereas now I'm watching like, that's intimidating when I see that practical dinosaur yeah. and now I'm not scared anymore because yes. that CGI teeth, set of teeth looks incredibly shit. I, I was doing some research on this because I was trying to figure out how some shots look so sexy mm. and others didn't. And yeah. I thought, is this a casualty of the pandemic maybe right. yeah. and workflows or whatever? But they shot Dominion using a combination of 35 millimeter and 65 millimeter. Oh. But film, yeah, just yeah, to yeah, clarify, yeah. but the night scenes were shot digitally. Oh. Because And I was watching this movie going, why do some of these shots look so different to yeah. others? They looked that sort of combination of grainy to that weird realism that you see in digital. Yeah, that like and 8K I, vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I thought, and then when I dug out that, that piece of so information, I thought, that's why. Oh. And again, it just adds to the imbalance of this movie. Yeah, it's, it's so all over the place. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I didn't know that. So, yeah, mm. to, like visually and tonally. This movie is just a clusterfuck, really, <laughs> to be totally honest. It, it's just uh, whether it reeks of we had to try and source everything together during a pandemic, but I'm mm. like, a lot of other movies had to film during the pandemic too and they have did indeed. not turn out as bad as this. That's right. That's right. It, look, it always starts with the script. If you don't get the script right before cameras roll, mm -hmm. it, you're done. And it's so sad. I'm so disappointed yeah, I know. In, in the product. and. In terms of before we wrap up, I wanted to talk about the music in yes. general because the Jurassic Park theme composed by John Williams is iconic. Like Honestly, I'm thinking about it right now. I can hear it in my head. <laughs> it's giving me chills. Do you think that the theme was like used in this movie effectively? Not effectively, no. Because no. like I said, it's, I, if I recall correctly, it's used to introduce Dr. Alan Grant again. Yes, yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like it's obviously very uh, synonymous with him seeing the mm. dinosaurs for the yeah. first time. That makes sense. So why aren't we using it on the dinosaurs yes. as well? Yeah. And and don't get me wrong, Michael Giac uh, Giacchino's score is fantastic. He's an amazing composer. Yeah. And it really suits the sort of hectic vibe of this movie. There's there's a lot of really fast pace, borderlining, like not techno, but there's just like these heavy beats and, yeah. and, and really sort of action movie score vibes. But it didn't feel like a Jurassic Park or Jurassic, even Jurassic World score to me. It just didn't like, it just felt like it was going so much more for excitement rather than wonderment and awe and stuff like that. Imagine having a score like that and not, and not fucking using, using it. it. Honestly, you heard little flavors and teasers and mixings of it, which are important in a score to yes, give it balance. Yeah. So you're not just going da, 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 <laughs> for like two and a half hours. Like that would also not work. But they flood this movie with so much nostalgia. What stopped them from using the score? Yeah. Like, what was the point where they went? Where they're like, oh, we've reached our nostalgia quota. Sorry, guys, we're, we're actually at a hundred percent nostalgia. <laughs> You've used the score once and you can't use it again. Like, yeah. there's no limit on how much if you're gonna go in. Go all in. I, th I thought that of anything in this movie that I was going to rave about the music. Right. Especially when you have the three OG cast coming uh, back. And you are right. They used it when they introduced Sam Neill back into the mix. But other but, than that, it was it was sorely missing and it, it really, really needed it there. It yeah. really needed it there. Really needed it. And yeah. it's just another case of shitting the bed, unfortunately, <laughs> for this movie. Just a little story before we wrap up. I was in the band in high school yep. and there was like a band showcase and I played the clarinet and yeah. I stood up there in front of parents and students playing the Jurassic Park theme song on a fucking clarinet. clarinet. I will never forget it. It was like one did of the greatest did, moments of my life. You did life. well? Like that was... I, I was terrible on the clarinet, <laughs> but I put so much practice into yeah, yeah. this theme because I thought... I will not disrespect Jurassic Park. Oh God, and John no! Yeah, Williams. at that point you're doing it for the film and yeah. not yourself. But I mean, you know, the, the theme has so many layers to other instruments. So imagine yeah. just hearing it. Just a clarinet. It, it's a little. 
<laughs> it's not so full of sound. No, no, but I kind of, I really want to see this. <laughs> to be, oh, thank God there's no video evidence. <laughs> I'm much older than you, Nick. Did the, did the, and the parents all clapped at the end and they loved it, didn't they? It was a standing ovation. Oh, there we go. You know, you heard about Elvis' 12-minute standing ovation at Cannes. I got 13. 13. <laughs> Oh, anyway, on that note, <laughs> mate, how about we wrap up our take on mm. Jurassic World Dominion and give it a rating out of yes. five popcorn kernels? Jurassic World Dominion is a convoluted mess that mixes nostalgia and modern day blockbuster in not a great way. Chris Pratt doesn't want to be there. Bryce Dallas Howard is giving her best and the OG cast really are trying to carry a movie that they're not really involved in. If you're here for dumb dinosaur action, you might get something out of it. But for the last movie in the Jurassic World saga on the Jurassic Park saga, it really falls flat. I'm going two popcorn kernels out of five. There we go. Heard it here. Well, for me, Jurassic World Dominion comes with little spirit, originality, charm, tension and plot. It simply lacks the ingredients that made Jurassic Park such an iconic film and ongoing franchise for three decades. The new trilogy of films has progressively gotten worse and all Dominion offers is a painfully unsatisfying close to the Jurassic era. I'm so disappointed. I wanted to like this movie so bad, but it just wouldn't let me. I'm going to rate Jurassic World Dominion one and a half popcorn kernels, just a slither under you, mate. Oh, look, for me, it was a a slight step up over Fallen Kingdom, but I mean, that's not a big bar it's not to, saying that much you have to say, yeah. <laughs> all right well jurassic world dominion is right now roaring in australian cinema so go check it out if you're a fan if you dare yeah, if you like it, yeah. <laughs> if you want another billion dollar jurassic world movie go see it <laughs> so nick let's launch into the news and trailer section of our episode walt disney animation studios released the first teaser trailer for its latest animated film strange world this week The original action-adventure journeys deep into an uncharted and treacherous land where fantastical creatures await the legendary clades, a family of explorers whose differences threaten to topple their latest and by far most crucial mission. I love the idea of this movie, Mm. and what excites me most is the voice cast includes quite a stellar lineup so far. So you've got Jake Gyllenhaal and Alan Tudyk, and Strange World releases in cinemas on November 24 of this year. Alan Tudyk's a bit of a Disney darling at the moment. I think a lot of people don't realise. What else is he in at the moment? So he's the suicidal chicken in Moana. He does like all those... (laughs) Usually those random characters are voiced by the director or something. Alan Tudyk does a fair few of them. I don't have the list on me, but I've on his IMDb profile, he is just this random array of like Disney animal characters. So it's it's fun to see him pop up again in another Disney property like this. Well, hopefully he's got some coherent dialogue in this movie. He's just not grunting or clapping. (laughs) like from Moana now I'm I'm keen to unpack this one with you mate because Mm. Nev Campbell I I actually cannot believe this she's exited Scream 6 over a pay dispute and she said in a statement and I quote sadly I won't be making the next Scream film as a woman I have had to work extremely hard in my career to establish my value especially when it comes to Scream I felt the offer that was presented to me did not equate to the value I have brought to the franchise Campbell continued it's been a very difficult decision to move on to all of my Scream fans I love you you've always been so incredibly supportive to me I am forever grateful to you and to what this franchise has given me over the past 25 years. Now, Scream 6, it's due to start production really soon with the release date of March 30 of 2023 on the cards at the moment. Good for you, girl. Yeah, Standing yeah. up to yourself, not getting paid enough and saying that's not good enough. But Understanding your value and, and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. But what? A, a Scream movie without yeah. Sidney Prescott? I know. And, and, and it's crazy to think so... This is the rumor mill that I've heard is that it was a it was a couple of days like two or three days of filming for like two three million dollars, which to okay. to everyone else is like well that's a lot of money but you do have to think about the value she brings to the franchise. Yes. The other thing you have to unpack is if that's all she's doing for filming is she the opening kill of the movie? Oh my god! Was well, she? That going was the to rumor be... of the last one. That yes, it was. She was yeah. going to be killed. And obviously, and... without too many spoilers, there were there a legacy character is killed in the yes. new Scream movie. Yeah. In a very effective and emotional way. I agree. But you kind of can't kill Sydney Prescott. You know what I mean? Like, the, to me, if that's what they were going for, and she was like, no, I, I don't think that's right for her character. Especially, mm. every like, there's five movies of Foundation built that 
She's evaded scream face. Uh, scream face. <laughs> scream face. <laughs> she's evaded ghost face yeah. through these whole movies. And she she's a pillar of the sort of women empowerment movement in horror. Mm. You kind of go like, you can't kill that. That's that's something that's almost untouchable in that in that regard. I, I agree. But I also wouldn't be mad if she was killed at yeah. some point. But yeah. it would have to be the most insane kill for sure ever. Because she has, as you said, evaded scream ghost face for <laughs> so long. There's yeah. gonna there's gonna have to be something where he, she, they gets a good yeah, right. and you are you are convinced that yes, all right, she had to die she in that to, moment. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sad we won't get even that sort of feeling or that anticipation yeah. whether that will or won't happen because she's not in the movie. In the movie I'm yeah. wondering though after this episode goes out, not not based on us having this conversation, yeah. just to clarify, <laughs> that there will be an uproar from fans. Right. Yeah. And 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 she'll get in it. She'll get paid the money like she's a, deserved. A Zack Snyder's Justice League situation right, where we, right. we petition hard enough to, to get yeah. it back. Or she comes back for the one after that in, yes, in some maybe. capacity. I just hope that they justify why she's not in this. Yes, yeah. And they don't write her off or kill her off off like screen. throwaway line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, something to... Uh, look very closely at over the coming months. <laughs> the search for who will play Madonna in a biopic about the pop star's life seems to be over with Ozark and inventing Anna star Julia Garner offered the role. Now, speculation has been flying over who would play the music icon in her upcoming biopic for some time now with such names as Florence Pugh and Euphoria star Alexa Demi, as well as singer Bebby Rexa doing the rounds. According to sources, the casting process had been brutal with hopefuls participating in intense, sometimes up to 11 hours a day, choreography sessions with Madonna's choreographer, after which there are sessions with Madonna herself. And then there were callbacks, which consisted of readings with Madonna, as well as singing auditions with the superstar. (laughs) Hopefuls had to be able to do it all. Gosh. I mean, wow. I've never heard of anything so intense. It's interesting coming off, you know, Elvis is about to come out and there's the, yeah. the footage that's now out of the screen test of Austin Butler as Elvis and everyone's going, oh my God, there's immersion into the character. Mm. I don't know if he was doing like 11 hours a day. <laughs> he might he might have been personally, but not for the audition. No. That's when you get the role. That's yeah. when you're like, I'm immersing myself in the life of this man. For an audition to play Madonna... I don't know if that'd be worth it, but I feel like Julia Garner's a great pick. I love her yes. in Ozark. She is a brilliant actress. I don't think I've ever heard her sing before. No, Have I you? haven't, no. Okay, well, anyway, best hey. place to see it is in a biopic about a singer, <laughs> I suppose. No time like the present. Hey, hey, if the requirement was to, in quote, do it all, yeah. she's probably got it. So That's it. Well, uh, Madonna is directing the film based on her own life, which is an interesting piece in of itself yes. so i guess it promises to be a very interesting project she, she was married to guy richie wasn't she want at one point so she's probably learned some stuff about directing maybe i don't know well she has directed <laughs> she one has or directed two a films. Few, few movies yeah they, they haven't been particularly well received <laughs> so hopefully she gets her own story right yeah there's a certain level of vanity there that you kind of have to be cons- <laughs> madonna vain <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> you kind of got to be a little bit concerned about it as Just well. Just a little bit. I do love me some Madonna, so I'm very, very interested in this project. <laughs> well, moving on to director Rob Zombie and Universal Pictures having released the first teaser trailer for The Monsters with the reveal that the film will be in colour. The Monsters is based on the iconic American sitcom of the same name, which ran in the 1960s and followed a family of benign monsters who are relocated from Transylvania to America, satirizing European immigrants adjusting to life in an American suburb. The series reflected shifts in the current societal and political landscape. Did you ever watch The Monsters? No, no. I wasn't a Monsters kid growing up. No, not really. I only watched it in the background sort of thing. I've never right. been super into it, but visually it's very striking and iconic. Like when you say The Monsters, you yep. know who's in the film in yep. terms of classic monsters and, and all the rest of it. And that trailer opened up and again in that classic black and white way, the old Universal logo, and then that reveal yep. to colour is sort of like, it's the same, but yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. Now, of the film being in colour instead of black and white, Rob Zombie said, I knew that if I went in and demanded this movie is going to be in black and white or forget it, we would not be talking about the monsters right now because it would have never happened. I guarantee it, says the director. (laughs) (laughs) He went on to say, but what I did do is I made the colours sort of hyper real. I noticed when the actors were in the makeup and they were just walking around getting lunch or whatever, they looked like cartoon characters come to life. They were just so insanely colourful. I was like, I have to light the movie in the same fashion. 
It really seemed at all times like a live action cartoon, which was really exciting. Now, I wonder, the way that he's written that, Mm. surely it was around camera tests and costume tests. Yeah. Not a couple of days into filming. (laughs) And he's like, oh, they kind of look, we should maybe do this in colour. That's very cool. They they look like cartoon characters. (laughs) Imagine having that revelation three days into filming. But for me, the oddest part about this whole thing is Mm. I just would never associate Rob Zombie with doing a family film. No. And that's the angle that he <laughs> kind of has to go. Of Devil Re- Rejects fame of Halloween. House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, the, like the fucked up Halloween as well. The real, I've like, never dep- been able to get through it's so his first Halloween dark movie. and depressing. Yeah, it's fucked. And now he's doing the <laughs> really colourful live action cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> with that monsters. sort of 60s sitcom music, yeah. you know, bumbling I do, around. I do love as well is that this is obviously like a family film and he's still promoting the film goes like, I guarantee it. <laughs> Well, actually, in, in where that quote yeah. is pulled from, there are explicitives, that, like, <laughs> dotted out. I kind of really hope when this comes out, we get the chance to talk to him and just be like, so, Rob, making a kid's film, how fucking cool is that? <laughs> that would trigger him off. Oh, this isn't a kid's film. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's how he even sounds. <laughs> I'm Rob Zombie. No idea what he Steamed sounds like. Steamed director Rob Zombie. <laughs> Now, Nick, Dwayne Johnson's passion project, Black Adam, released an official trailer and boy, does it look like an epic ride. Nearly 5,000 years after he was bestowed with the almighty powers of the ancient gods and imprisoned just as quickly, Black Adam, played by Johnson, is freed from his earthly tomb, ready to unleash his unique form of justice on the modern world. Now, the film is due to hit cinemas on October 19 here in Australia this year and will offer a new threat into the DCEU mix moving forward, especially with the supporting tagline, the world needed a hero, it got Black Adam. Yes. What do you think about this new trailer? This We got a lot more visually on what to expect. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, if you don't follow The Rock on Instagram... You've I actually s- don't. Yeah. He, well, this is pretty much the only thing he put. Po- this and buying the XFL is the only thing he's posting about at the moment. I actually, what's the XFL? It's like a, it's <laughs> like it a, sports? it's an adjacent gridiron. Like oh, okay. it's like a more extreme version and he's buying that at the moment, but he's obviously posting so much. He's in the suit. Mm. He did a whole massive post. He's like, I didn't want any muscle padding my suit. That's all me in there. Yeah. And he keeps talking about how the hierarchy of the DC universe is about to change with Black Adam. I might be the only person in the world who thinks this. That trailer was super lackluster. Really? I didn't like the trailer. I kind of sat there and went, oh, this just feels like another superhero movie. And don't get me wrong. I like superhero movies. I'm not sitting here going like, I hate Marvel DC. Hmm. I really enjoy them. But I watched the trailer and I was like, fuck, The Rock's good at marketing himself because he sucked me in. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like. But I really hope I'm wrong. I do want to enjoy this movie and I want to have a lot of fun with it. But it is a first trailer. It is a first trailer. It's just supposed to give us what the tone of the movie is. There's a bit of comedy in there, like yep. The Rock's, you know, shooting off his classic one-liners. And it does look a little bit darker than mm. and what you would expect out of maybe a Marvel movie. So Now, if the hierarchy of the DCU will change forever, does that mean we're going to get a fight between him and Soups? Yeah, well, that's I feel like people are sort of teasing that online. Like yeah. people who've read the comics anyway, because like they do, like yeah, because you, know, you swap hands at one point. You can't take over the throne without dethroning someone. Yes, that's true. So yeah. there has to be some sort of confrontation there. There has to be, and it'll be interesting to see who he fights a Superman because I know there was a quote that came out that Henry Cavill seems to be aging out of Superman. That was from the head of Warner Brothers at the moment. Oh, and we are getting the... Rude, the a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Henry Cavill's a fucking good looking dude. You know, because he's aging out of the role. And then I can't remember who the actor is, but they got a new Superman HBO Max project working at the moment ah. as well. So that's who we could see fighting on the cards against Black Adam. Watch this space. Now, this is a really, really exciting piece of news. A Joker sequel has been confirmed this week with the announcement of a completed script and returning writer-director Todd Phillips revealing its title, Joker Folie à Now, I ain't... Yeah. I don't speak French. No, no, neither so do don't I. come for me. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix will return to the role that won him an Oscar and made over US $1 billion at the global box office back in 2019. The film's title translates to shared madness or a shared delusional disorder. Mm. While it's unclear how this applies to the film's plot, some have speculated the sequel could introduce Joker's troubled love interest, Harley Quinn, into the mix. Which should be really exciting. Did you like Joker? I did. I enjoyed yes, it. Yeah, me too. Like I'll watch this movie and I'm excited, but yeah. I, I don't, we didn't need a sequel. No, no. It's such a it stands alone so strongly on its own. 
it's an ambiguous ending mm. in that film, but it's one of those ones where it's it's sort of like finite ambiguous. Yes. I'm like, yeah. I'm happy for him to live in the mental hospital for the rest of his life. Finite ambiguity. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I've just invented that, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> I should tell Christopher Nolan that. I feel like that's what he needs a little bit more of it is <laughs> finite ambiguity. But it, to me, yeah, the same as you. I feel like I didn't need a sequel to this, but mm. you make a billion dollars at the box office. Warner Brothers aren't going to go, well, hey guys, thank you so much for the billion. Um, they're going to go, can you make us another billion? We would really love another billion dollars, please. Please. This is a very Dr. Evil style of like <laughs> one billion, billion yen. dollars. And introduction of Harley Quinn rumor, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. But to me, that sort of then more goes into, oh, I mean, he dealt with the Bruce Wayne stuff reasonably well. Yeah. But I mean, that's one of the more forgettable parts of Joker. So it'll be interesting Maybe to see. There's what he does. There. Maybe Potentially, there's more yeah. there. Potentially, yeah. Potentially, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Well, more was finally revealed about Jordan Peele's latest elevated horror flick, Nope, in a new trailer this week. Jordan Peele promises once again to reimagine the summer movie with his new pop nightmare horror pick and will probe Australian cinemas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> from, I didn't realise you were going to have to read that bit. <laughs> I love it. No, no. Uh, <laughs> on, we'll, let's keep it together. Keep it together. We'll, we'll probe Australian cinemas from August 11 and stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, and Stephen Yen. I am really excited. I'm for this so movie. excited for this movie. So much so that I haven't watched this second trailer because oh, I. You're you know, choosing not to? Well, uh, yes. And I had a little inside information from Ooh. this is one of our Universal reps who had seen it before it was released and said. Don't watch it if you don't want to know more about the movie. Fuck. And I said, thanks for that because I won't. I'm, I mean, Get Out is fantastic. Yes. I enjoyed Us. Me I didn't too. think it was as good as Get Out, but it, I still enjoyed it. And this looks phenomenal. That first trailer I thought was incredible. I know nothing about the movie, but I know exactly what I'm sort of getting into with Look, Jordan Peele. You are probably doing the right thing. Right. Look, if you want to watch the trailer, oh, head over yeah. to our Popcorn Podcast yes. YouTube. It's there. In fact, even if you don't want to watch the trailer, go there and click the link and just close your eyes for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and just hear it. Uh, yeah, look, it does offer more information right, about okay. the movie. Uh, unpacking what you're, you've been suggested not to watch it, I'm mm. wondering whether it's offered too much. Right, okay. But it also makes me think, what don't we know? Yeah, exactly. In a Jordan Peele movie, there's always something underneath the surface. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, the, the trailer's almost three minutes as well. Like, it's another Ooh, one of those yeah, okay. really, really long, long ones. Trailers, yeah. So, hopefully you can keep that up. I'm really going to try to. And yeah. that's the hardest thing about going to these screenings when they show the trailer yes, the whole time. Yeah. When, they, when we saw Matrix last year, they were showing a Batman trailer. Yeah. And I avoided all Batman <gasps> trailers. I actually walked out of the cinema. Did you? I felt like an absolute... You hadn't idiot. seen any trailers I saw of zero trailers for the Batman. Wow. Wow. I just, it was, and it was hard. I, I was the guy, I looked like a psychopath. I was in cinemas if I was just going with my partner or friends and stuff. And I was closing my ears, uh, closing my eyes and blocking my ears and looking down. I looked like a, a psycho. I made people around me very uncomfortable. Or maybe they just thought, this guy hates the DCU. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's an MCU hey, guy. That man's not that bad. I'm like, yeah, la, give la, him a la. chance. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to try and do the same with Nope. I'm yeah. going to try. Okay. Well, all the power to you, my friend. <laughs> well, let's wrap things up with some Ghostbusters Afterlife news. So the Ecto Fest place on the Sony lot in Los Angeles, California, alongside major Ghostbusters fans and press this week with a big announcement in tow. So director Jason Reitman and Ghostbusters Afterlife co-writer Jill Keenan took to the stage to officially share that they are currently writing another Ghostbusters movie and it will continue to follow the characters established in the recent 2021 reboot. It was also confirmed that the story will be officially moving to Manhattan. There is no word on a release date for the upcoming sequel or when it will go into production, but it is good news for Ghostbusters fans with the franchise still in motion. Did you like Ghostbusters Afterlife? I did. I really enjoyed it. Ironic that we're talking about on this Jurassic World Dominion episode, but I liked the nostalgic elements of it, but it did feel like it was its own thing. I I feel like you can watch Ghostbusters Afterlife without really having seen the previous ones. Obviously, the, the climax is probably a little less hard hitting in that mm-hmm, regard, but mm-hmm. you can still put together what's going on. I, I agree. Look, I, I thought it was a relatively harmless film. Yeah. I don't think it had all the elements right, yeah. but you could throw it on again and oh, still enjoy yeah. it. And I'm curious to see where they're going to take the story. And yeah. I like the fact that it's headed back to Manhattan, which is synonymous with the franchise. Yes, of course. Yeah. The first two be interesting the to see who sort of comes back then in that regard that's as right. well. So Yeah. Well, mate, that's a, another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. It's been so great. 
to have you. Nice. Thanks for taking the time. And it's so good that you're in Sydney. I know. It's- we can do this face to face. It's so exciting. Nice. In the studio. In the- <laughs> now, tell our listener where they can find you. Yes, yeah, so you can find me uh, on Instagram at Nick's Flicks Fix. You'll find my 60 second reviews there. I'm also one of the head critics at Novastream Network, uh, NovastreamNetwork.com. And the monthly movie marathon podcast with Peter Gray, Rotten Certified Tomato Man. Uh, <laughs> uh, every month we choose a big release that's coming out and we watch uh, five or six movies leading up to it and sort of talk about it. Our next episode. I was going to ask which one it was going to be. We we have a bit of a gap because the Black Phone is releasing in Australia yep. not until July. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to do an episode for its American release, but we'll wait. We'll wait for the Australian release for that one. So we're going to do a Q&A episode Ooh. and we want people to put in questions about really taboo movie topics sort of things that you want to ask about movies that you shouldn't really ask. Interesting. And where can people uh, submit their questions? If you jump on uh, my Instagram at NixFlixFix on Instagram, uh, I'll have a post going up or you can just DM me the questions there. But I go nuts. I like we, there is nothing Pete and I won't talk about. Okay. I'm definitely going to submit a question or two. I cannot wait. All right, mate. Thanks again. And you can catch Jurassic World Dominion in cinemas right now. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.